City Hope. I was going to say it's good to see you, but I can't see you yet. Now I can. Hey, it's great to be back in the country. I want to say hello to the Mobile campus, Foley, Baymanet, the guys in Holman, and the Malbus campus. Thank you for being such a phenomenal church. We love you very much, and we're proud to be your pastor. We spent uh, nine days uh, with a group of 25 people from City Hope in Israel, and we had an incredible time. Let me just show you a couple of pictures. These guys had an uh, opportunity to visit Ariel, which is a sister city to Mobile. We also, they had an opportunity to spend some time on the Sea of Galilee in a boat, and in the stillness of the Lord, they really heard from God. They had an opportunity to be baptized in the Jordan River, and then we were able to go into Gethsemane and go to the place of the crucifixion and go to the empty tomb. And we had a wonderful time. God really spoke to our people. It was just a tremendous trip. And so I encourage you next year, about the same time, we'll be taking this uh, trip again uh, with, with our friends. And if you'd like to go, go ahead and start planning for that. It was a great trip. Um, I want to also encourage you on Merry Christmas Gulf Coast because the way the system is set up, okay, and, and I don't know all the back of it, I just know the bottom line is right now we have a little over 1,000 families qualified. We only have a little over 800 commitments. So as today, as of today, we have 200 families that will not hear and receive hope. So I need you. I'm, I'm going to do it. I've already given, but I'm going to give more. I'm going to do more because I don't want one family that qualifies to meet this. We've changed it this year. We're going to be more families, a little more personal ministry time. So I want you to join with me, and that's rally, and let's get that number up this week. Okay? Everybody good with that? There you go. Well, we're in the last part of the series, My Best Friend, and uh, probably uh, all the questions, I've had a lot of questions, but a lot of the questions, it's kind of like, this is the hot topic, okay? And so I left this one to the end, and it worked for the categories also, but we're going to be talking about what we call the speaking gifts. So we've looked at the person of the Holy Spirit, we've looked at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we've looked at what we call the charismata gifts or the grace gifts. There are nine of those. They are in 1 Corinthians 12. So let me just recap. We've looked at the discerning gifts. Those are gifts of revelation, and they are word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, word of wisdom. We have looked at the dynamic gifts. Those are gifts of power, and they are the gift of faith, the gifts of healings, working of miracles. This weekend, we're going to look at the last section. They're called the speaking gifts or the declarative gifts. And they are prophecy, diversity of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, let me say this, and let me make it really clear, because th this is a very important message, but I, I don't want you to get hung up because generations have been hung up on one of these gifts, and, I, and I'm going to really put the three into two. I, I, don't want you, I want to make this very clear. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me? The gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The other gifts are included because they're His gifts. So the gift is the Holy Spirit, but with the Holy Spirit comes the, the, these nine gifts that we, we look at. And, and see, other, other gifts are included in the gift, but it's not the actual, the actual gift is the person of the Holy Spirit. It would be like me giving you a nice watch, but it didn't have a second hand on it. It wouldn't be a nice watch, would it? So, no, if I gave you a watch, it's going to have the minute hand, the second hand, and, and it naturally would be part of the gift. In the same way, 
speaking in tongues is naturally part of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is one, but by no means the only indicator that a person has received the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift Jesus told his followers to expect. And watch, when Jesus was on the earth, the threat of Satan's kingdom was isolated to one geographical spot on the earth, wherever Jesus was. That, that was his target spot. Wherever Jesus was walking, wherever he's standing, now there are millions and millions of little Jesuses all over the world, and they can be empowered, and they can spread all over the planet, and, and whoever receives this helper that Jesus sent can do the same thing Jesus has done. So now the devil has to plot how to stop people from receiving this gift. So what's his strategy? His strategy is to create controversy. And we have a lot of controversy over this gift or over the gifts. And, 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 and you know, the, the gift is not for today. It's passed away. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's just for a select group of people. And, and you know, uh, you know and then, then even, even the enemy did this one. And it's, this one even, I've heard this one in the Bible Belt all my life, that, that, you know, the devil takes credit for it because there are even some that say, well, praying in tongues is of the devil. So here's the truth. Listen to me. The truth is, power from on high through the baptism in the Holy Spirit was and is available for believers today. And, and just so you know, just as a little side note, people who believe and have received this gift make up the second largest group of Christians in the world, second to the Catholic Church, but it is the fastest growing group in the world people who believe and have received, whether you call it the charismatic, which is a charismatic gift, or you call it the Pentecost, whatever, it is the fastest growing group on the face of the earth today. Now, let me get into these two, okay? So here's the first one. I've already read them. Here's number one, prophecy. What is prophecy? I'm not talking about the office of the prophet. I'm talking about prophecy. It's a message of encouragement from God through a person to a person or persons. Now, in every category, there's a dominant the dominant in speaking gifts is prophecy. But listen to me. Listen, please listen. You never build your life on a personal prophecy. You do not build your life on a personal pro prophecy. You allow personal prophecy to confirm what God is already building in your life. It's a message of encouragement. It's not discouragement. And by the way, it's not a message of correction. Prophecy is not a message of correction. That if they do that, it's in the flesh. It's all wrong. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Drop down to verse 31. You can all prophesy by one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So prophecy is a learning gift. In fact, watch. All of the speaking gifts are learning gifts. In other words, you receive them and you learn how to operate in them. But if you're not teachable, don't prophesy. If you don't have a teachable spirit, do not prophesy because it's a learning experience. 1 Corinthians 14, 32. And the spirits of the prophets, notice it doesn't say the words of the prophets, the spirits of the prophet are subject to the prophets. And so it's how you say it. It's, it's as important how you say it. If, if in the spirit you're going to minister to people, if your spirit is wrong and you have the right word, you didn't help them. So you have to learn this. Today, God is using prophecy more because today we need more encouragement 
than any other time in history. The prophetic is talked about more in the New Testament than any, any other gift, and it should be used today in the church more than any other gift because people need encouraging, edification, and comforting. Now, prophecy, when you prophesy, you are under the anointing. And let me tell you why that's important. Because most of us can read people in the natural. You, you can read. You, you, you can just pick up on things in the natural. But to use this gift, you have to lay down that natural gift so that you can use the spiritual gift and be spiritually anointed. So knowing when not to give a word is just as important as knowing when to give a word because it's harmful when people just give something out of the natural and out of the flesh, the words, because it, that's not the Holy Spirit. So here's the key to prophecy. The key to prophecy is love people. If you do not love people, do not prophesy. Do not try to encourage people. Do not try to comfort people if you don't love people. Prophecy is simply a function and carries no personal status. It is a spiritual gift with no status, and prophecy is not weird. People are weird. You, you are in control when you prophesy. You are not in a trance. You are normal when you prophesy. You don't have to change your voice. You don't have to grow a long hair and a beard. You don't have to play a keyboard in a weird key or anything like that. That's not it. And, and, and let, me, let, me, let me explain what, what I see in the church today. The Holy Spirit wrote the Word of God through men. The Holy Spirit did. If the Holy Spirit wrote the Word, then the Word and the Holy Spirit are not going to disagree with one another. So the Word and the Spirit is an unchangeable formula. They operate together. So here's what we have. We have today two strong paradigms in the church. One paradigm is a church that is word-driven, not interested in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not going to pay attention to them. They're just word-driven. The other paradigm is spirit-driven, which puts very little emphasis on the written word. So why is it like that? Well, if those two, the word and the spirit, ever come together in a church, you find a balance. Because then you teach the Word, and the Holy Spirit is able to interchange and do what He does, and that gives us a third option that has become very popular in the last 10, 15 years. It's called a life-giving church. And when you have a life-giving church, you have the Word and you have the Spirit interchanging together and working together, and that makes a powerful church. And by the way, we're a life-giving church. So here's my point. Do not prophesy unless the Word is in your heart. The word has to come first, and then the prophecy comes later. I remember years ago uh, when we were doing a, a, a community function in front of the old building, a lady walked up to me. I did not know her. She walked up to me, and she started prophesying to me very negative and, and, and very correcting. And, man, I mean, she was just going off, and I just stopped her. I said, excuse me, you don't know me, and you can't speak that to me. She said, no, you, you can't speak that to me. You see, that was weird. It was out of place. It was out of order. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was a devil, by the way. And so, so you know the word. I knew the word. So I knew to correct her and stop her. You can't give encouraging words from the word if you don't know the scripture. And if you give a word and don't know the word, here's what it does. It invalidates the prophecy. And if all you want to do is prophesy and not study the word, you are a dangerous person. And there's a lot of people. They get a warm, fuzzy feeling. They got this little natural thing. Oh, yeah, I can tell. Oh, they're depressed. Oh, I can tell this or that. And they start speaking this stuff, and they don't know the word. They're dangerous people. Now, number two, 
This is where you wanted to go the whole time, so I guess I could have just went to this message and done away with the whole series, but it had to build on each other, okay? Tongues. Let me give you a definition. Tongues, this is a message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. Today, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ, and then you can be baptized by Jesus into the Holy Spirit. When Jesus baptizes you into the Holy Spirit, you have access to all his gifts. Now, using his gifts and serving and doing ministry, God has created a vehicle for himself to come into the world to seek and save the lost world. You're a vehicle, though. Watch. You've heard me say it several times. You're a vehicle, but this vehicle is equipped with words. And our words connect us to God, and our words connect us to people. So I want to show you a key in us learning to speak in purity. So let's go back to where this all started in this series, Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues. That means they're separated on each one. As of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Tongues in the Greek is the word glossa, where we get the word glossary. So it's a language full of glossary of words and languages. They begin to speak with other languages. Now, I want to show you three things about this language, okay? And that's the message. Three things about this language. Number one, it is a language. It is a language. Speaking in tongues is not gibberish. It's a language according to the Bible. Drop down to verse 5. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Everyone heard them speak in their own dialect. It was a language. Speaking in tongues according to the Bible is a language. Because it's a language, let me explain some things to you about it. I, I don't want anyone to be afraid of this because it's in the Bible. I think the number one factor in resisting the Holy Spirit is the fear of this. So let me hit some, a couple myths, and, and let me just take them apart a little bit. Here's a myth about speaking in tongues. You start speaking it fluently the first day. People think, well, they did that on the day of Pentecost. Well, that's not what it says. It did not say they spoke fluently. It says they heard fluently in their own language. didn't say they were speaking fluently on the other side. And that's the miracle. The miracle was they heard it fluently. And they yielded their tongues to the Holy Spirit. And, 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 you know, the Bible tells us we need to control our tongues. We need to bridle our tongue. It's amazing that the first thing the Holy Spirit changes when he comes is the tongue. And they had to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You don't start speaking any language fluently. Anyone here learned a second language? Anybody? Campuses? Yeah. Well, did you speak fluently the first time? I don't think so. And you know, if you, te- if you speak two languages, you're called bilingual. But if you, sp- you speak one, you're called American. Um, <laughs> most countries in the world speak at least two languages, which is more than most Americans because we still struggle with the one. So, you don't... You, you, start, you don't start speaking fluently. 
It's just like babies. They don't start speaking fluently. And we think it's so cute when they mispronounce words, and, you know, it doesn't bother us, you know. And, and, and it's the same way. Many people are so afraid, I might do this, and maybe it's not right. Or, but no, 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 no. Your, your father's going to like it. Just like when your children mispronounce things and they're learning to put things together, it, it, you, you, you like it. You, you, you hate to see when they change it almost. So please hear me. If you want to pray in a prayer language, you can. If you're a believer, but it's not going to be fluent from the first day, your father will like it that you're trying remember this is a learning it's a learning process here's another myth let me take apart you can't control it you just go into this trance and you start speaking in tongues and a lot of people they're afraid of this myth because i don't want this because i could be in publics one day and and then this thing hit me and i go over and take the microphone and i am just speaking in tongues all over this whole place and prophesying no 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 well think about the other gifts you can control all the other gifts, I mean, even prophecy, teaching. So, so you can, it's an act of your will in cooperating with the Holy Spirit. I, I've seen people who would say, you know, I just couldn't, ha- oh, yes, you can help it. You're out of line. You're out of order. You're in the flesh. You're drawing attention to yourself. It's the wrong time, the wrong place. You shouldn't be doing this. It's like, oh, it the Holy Spirit came on me. No, it's an act of your will. You can control it. Here's another myth. It's just going to jump out of you one day. Well, pastor, I prayed for it, and you know, and God knows if, you know, if he wants to give it to me, he sees fit, it's okay, and, and, and if he wants to give me, the, he just will one day, it'll just come out of me. Well, that's, that's really foolish to believe that way. That would be like as foolish as you leaving this worship service, this worship room, and walking by the offering box, and money just jumps out of your pocket into the box, and you say, look, I got the gift of giving. <laughs> no, it's not going to jump out of your pocket. You're going to have to stop at the box pull out your checkbook and write a, lar- or write a check and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so number one, it's the language. Here's number two. It's the language of the Spirit. Now watch, stay with me because these all build. This all builds. It's the language of the Spirit. This is very important. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him, however... In the Spirit, notice that phrase, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. In the Spirit means speaking in tongues. He's speaking in the Spirit. Now, the next two verses that I'm going to show you probably are the best verses in the Bible for you to understand a prayer language, okay? It's 1 Corinthians 14, 14, and 15. So listen, this is very important. You may want to write these down and mark them down. For if I pray, you have a choice. In a tongue, my soul prays, but my understanding, that's my mind. I'm being obedient, but my mind doesn't understand, is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? Well, I will pray with the Spirit, that's praying in tongues, and I also will pray with understanding. Well, my mind understands that. That's in the language that I speak. I will sing with the Spirit, and I also sing with the understanding. This is so clear. He said, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. And, 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 and I'm saying, you know, this scripture, you, you take the scripture and you read it, and, and God will bring clarity to you, to you on it. And if there's anything that rises up in you, what, what do you mean if it rises up in you? Well, as you're praying this, your spirit man is connecting to God's spirit, and things rise up within you. And you think, well, why would something rise up within me? He said, well, if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. So the conclusion is, well, I'll pray with the Spirit, and and that would be in tongues, and I'll pray with my understanding, and that's with my mind. And so think about this. Think about how many people only pray with their own understanding. 
Think about how many prayers you've prayed, and the only understanding you have is what's in your natural mind. How many of your prayers are not really being fulfilled because you're only praying with your understanding? Is it possible that the Spirit has more understanding about your situations than your natural mind? So remember, we are a spirit, possess a soul, live in a body. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. So think about this. How many people only pray soulish prayers? How many people only pray prayers out of the mind realm? Is it possible that the spirit has more understanding about situations than we do? Yes. We only pray what we can understand by our limited understanding. But Paul said, when I pray in tongues, the greatest apostle he said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I wish all of you prayed in tongues. And he said, but don't forbid anyone from praying in tongues. And it's so funny. That scripture is in there. Paul said, don't forbid anyone and, and, but because there are entire theological persuasions that actually disobey this verse. But this is the greatest apostle, but also the Holy Spirit said it through the greatest apostle. The Holy Spirit is saying through Paul, I wish you all did this. What? Your spirit prays. So how many of you, you know, you let me say it this way, because here's, here's another little tangent people get hung up on. Many people have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but have not spoken in tongues. I know people, and, and I'm going to show you something on it, so stay with me, because I, I, I've talked about denominations and words and phrases that we have, that domina, dominations have put in there and added in that are not in there, but many have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but not spoken in tongues, but they prophesied. They've given words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And, and let me tell you why I think so many have not spoken in tongues, because I think so many have strongholds in their mind built up. They have been taught that this is wrong, this is outdated, all the controversies, or even that this is demonic, that this is of the devil. I, I, I've heard it. I've had it said to me. How in the world did we get to the place where we're taught that a gift of the Holy Spirit is demonic? Why in the world is there so much controversy over this verse? Here's why. It's because life and death are in the power of the tongue, and you can submit your tongue to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can control your tongue. So then, well, what do I do? Well, here's what you need to do. Sometimes when you're alone with God, and you're praying, and you're meditating, and you're reading the Scripture, and you sense the presence of God with you in that room or in that place, you just open your mouth, and you start speaking syllables that you don't know. You just yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit. This is, th 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 listen, there's the gift of tongues and there's the grace of tongues. There are messages through the gift of tongues. I'm not even going to touch that. But the Lord here, there is a yielding and a praying in tongues. And you have to yield to this. Well, pastor, I, I, I tried that, but I didn't feel anything. Well, do you always feel something when you pray in English? Or do you sometimes pray by faith? Do you always feel something when you tithe or, you do, or do you tithe by faith? It's just like anything else in the Christian life. You have to do it by faith. The breakthrough comes after being obedient. It's much like tithing. We start, don't feel anything, then a breakthrough comes later. Many people don't know that there is actually, that this, this praying in the Spirit is actually part of the armor of God. Ephesians 6. M many read this and they stop before the last verse. I'm not going to read all of this, but let me show you what I mean in Ephesians 6, 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. There's the same phrase, same meaning, praying in tongues. Part of our armor is praying in the Spirit. Jude, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. There it is again. If you want to build yourself up, your spirit man, you pray in the Spirit. It's scriptural, and the benefit is it builds us up. 
Well, why, why do, I've had people say, well, why, why do I need to pray in tongues? The Bible says it can build you up, and I think we all need a little building up. I mean, anybody here, you've had all the building up you need? Is it possible that you're losing some battles because you're not building yourself up spiritually? Is it possible you're losing some battles because you're not putting on the whole armor of God? Is it possible you're losing some battles because you're not allowing the Spirit to pray? You're only praying through your soul. And listen to me, we hit things in our lives, in our marriage, in our finances, in our children, all of these challenges, and we are so limited in the natural. We're so limited to this that we, 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 we really have to have a spiritual insight to this or we will make the wrong decision and we'll do the wrong thing. So that's why it's so important. So it's a language, it's a language of the Spirit, and here's the third point, it's a pure language. It's a pure language. Now watch. Genesis 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. The whole earth. What language was that? Well, some people say, well, that's Hebrew. It can't be Hebrew, because it's the next chapter that Abram is introduced, then it's another couple chapters before the, God creates the Jewish nation. And, and, and it's not English. I promise you, it's not English. Is it possible that it was a heavenly language? God put Adam and Eve in the garden. They walked and talked with God every day. What did they talk? They had to speak a language, a heavenly language. And so do you think, you know, it, it would make sense. They're speaking a heavenly language. And then they sinned, and the whole earth became sinful, and God decided to start all over with Noah. And then they became sinful again, and then God decides to start with the Jewish nation through Abram and sets his laws through, through them. So remember, the whole earth had one language. Now look at verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing they had purpose to do will be withheld from them. They had one language, and they're trying to build a tower to heaven. Well, why didn't God let them do it? According to the Scripture, they could have done it. He said nothing they proposed to do would be withheld from them. In other words, we better take this language away because with this language, all things are possible. At Babel, God confused the language. They couldn't understand each other. They scattered to the nations. On the day of Pentecost, they came back from those languages, those nations. They're confused. The Holy Spirit came, and then they can understand the praises of God in their dialect. They're not confused. So listen, is it possible that if you'll use this language, what you pray for, nothing will be withheld from you? Here's why. Because you're not praying soulish prayers. You're praying scriptural, spiritual, scriptural prayers over your marriage, over your children, over your health. Nothing that you propose will be withheld from you from this one language. And here's what happens. They got this language, and God said, we've got to take it away from them. And this is where all the languages are formed, where they come from. And then and let me show you another verse that Zephaniah, he, he comes in, and he's talking about when Jesus and the Holy Spirit come to the earth. He's prophesying. So listen to what he says. Zephaniah 3, 9. For then I will restore, notice the word restore. It's not give, it's restore. It's not build, it's restore. To the people's a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord means pray to serve him in one accord. You've seen those words before, one accord, right? In Acts 2, 1. So Zephaniah is talking about when the Holy Spirit comes, I will restore to the people a pure language. You want a picture of heaven. It's every tribe and every nation speaking one language, and that language is going to be praising God for the most part. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And remember, I told you in this series, 
Pentecost is the blessed reversal of the cursed judgment of Babel. And he said, he, he didn't say, oh, I'm going to give them a new language. I'm going to create. He said, I'm going to restore. I'm going to give back, and I'm going to give it back to the peoples, plural, the nations, all the dialects, all the languages that I created. I'm going to give them back the language that nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. That's a pure language. And do you know that there's only one language that has no profanity? You know there's only one pure language? I've spoken in a lot of countries and with interpreters, and you, you kind of walk through it before, and they'll say, well, don't say that. That means this or this or that. You know, and, and sometimes there are, there are little things we say that mean something bad there. So, you know, the, the, there is no profanity in, in a heavenly language. The heavenly language is pure. And God said, I'm going to give it back. Listen, as your pastor at City Hope Church, I, I want every person to pray in the Spirit. Now, listen. I'm convinced that speaking in tongues is the pure language of the Spirit. It causes believers to be in one accord so they might serve the Lord. I also believe it is God's desire that we all speak with the heavenly language when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit. In your heart, ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? This series, I have been trying to remove question marks and tear down the, the, the abuse and the neglect side of this. But you see, here's what I want you to do. In your quiet time with the Lord, just, just step out in faith. Submit your tongue to the Holy Spirit. If we submit our tongues to the Holy Spirit and, and you start doing this, it'll change the way you pray. It'll, it'll change the way you speak. And we'll begin to speak words of life and, and not of death. I want to do this at every campus. In just a minute, I, I want you to stay with me. In just a minute, I, I, I want to pray for all of you at the campuses. And, I, and I'm, I'm very careful not to put people on the spot, but I'm going to put people on the spot today. You can forgive me. I don't want you to feel embarrassed. Please listen to me. I, I don't want you to feel like you've done something wrong or you're an unspiritual person. I don't want you to let the enemy talk you out of this. At every campus, in a moment, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for all of you at once. And I don't want the enemy to stop you or pride to stop you. Listen, nothing weird is going to happen. And some may be thinking, well, I want the Holy Spirit, but I don't want the weird stuff. Well, don't let the enemy talk you out of this with the controversy. Nothing weird is going to happen. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come on you, and as far as you pray in a prayer language, you can do that in your own private time, in your own private place in your own time you can pray for to receive that then i'm going to ask the holy spirit to come on you and fill you i cannot tell you how many men over the years who've come to me raised in certain denominations and are hungry and wanting more and they're asking and they're pursuing and, and when, when you don't give them a formula and you just say pursue god ask for the gift give glory to god and praise god i, I cannot tell you how many guys have told me you know i was driving down the road the other day and just worshiping god and started speaking in tongues i was taking a shower and i was singing in the shower and all of a sudden I started. I'm just telling you, it, it, it's not weird. It's not spooky. And I want that part to be you and you alone where you do it and how you do it. So here, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Okay. I'm going to ask everyone at all the campuses that don't be embarrassed and nobody's taking names and all that. But you say, pastor, I want to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to stand. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm asking you just stand up. You're not going to move out of your seat. You're not going to come to the front. No one's going to come touch you. I just want you to stand. Oh, my Lord.
Now I know why I had to do this series. Now I know back in September when the Holy Spirit just burdened me. I want you to do this. I don't want anyone leaving. We're not finished. None of the campuses, no traffic. Those of you that are standing, I want you to just close your eyes, and I want you to, I want you to lift your hands up in like in a receiving mode, just like you're going to catch something. The first thing I want you to do in your own heart, not out loud, I want you to tell the Holy Spirit that I receive you right now. Now, then in your heart, I want you to ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you, but let me remind you that you receive by faith the same faith you received Jesus. And if you don't feel anything, if you don't feel something, don't, don't let that get in the way of your faith. I want you right now to know that because you've opened your heart, your hands, symbolic, God is hearing and going to answer your prayer. So let me pray. Jesus, I come to you and ask you to fill my brothers and sisters with the Holy Spirit. From the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet, the same way the Holy Spirit came on the disciples in the upper room on the disciples in Samaria, on the Gentiles in Acts 10 and in Acts 19. Holy Spirit, come on them right now and fill them with your Spirit. Anoint them with power of the Holy Spirit right now. And Lord, I take authority over Satan and his demonic spirits that bring fear, insecurity, rejection, confusion. I rebuke by the name, power, and the blood of Lord Jesus Christ. I command you to loose them let them, go from let them go from the strongholds that have held them back from believing and receiving. And now, every place the enemy has left, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill those places now. In Jesus' name, fill them with power and love and gentleness and faith and self-control and meekness. Come, Holy Spirit, right now as we receive you. Jesus, thank you for baptizing every person that wants to receive the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit now by faith. Here's what I want us to do across the church. I want everybody else to stand. Come on, stand, the rest of you. Here's what I want you to do. Out loud with your own voice, I want us to give thanks to our God, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit. Can we give thanks? Can we put praise on our lips? Come on, give thanks. Thanks.